Welcome to episode 361 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. What kind of support are you looking for as you grow your business? My Content and Connection Club includes a weekly mastermind, weekly co-working sessions, monthly business book club, member-hosted office hours, five-minute member spotlights, access to courses, and more. Our community is abundant-minded, striving and thriving, six-figure entrepreneurs. We're coaches, consultants, speakers, authors, and podcast hosts. We're all about supporting each other and having a bigger impact in the world. Receive all club membership benefits for just $100 a month. You can get started with a free 30-day trial to see if we're a good fit and cancel at any time. As 2024 begins, it would be lovely to see more of you. Join us at contentandconnectionclub.com. That's contentandconnectionclub.com. Next, a word from our sponsor, and then we'll dive into this week's interview. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Today's guest is on a mission to help leaders work together toward a bright future for all. She's editor-in-chief of the Apex Award-winning Leader to Leader Journal, founded by Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient Francis Hesselbein, and partner and trusted advisor to former CEO of Boeing and Ford, Alan Mullally considered one of the greatest leaders of the 21st century. Her fields of expertise are leadership, management, personal leadership development, and executive and business coaching. For over 20 years, as COO of Marshall Goldsmith, Inc., she led many initiatives, projects, and programs, including the 100 Coaches Project. Her expertise supported the success of Marshall Goldsmith's New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling books, Triggers, and What Got You Here Won't Get You There. She's authored and edited many books, including Making Waves with former CEO of Celebrity Cruises, Lisa Lutoff Perlo, and Work is Love Made Visible with Marshall Goldsmith and Frances Hasselbein. Please join me in welcoming Sarah MacArthur. Welcome, Sarah. Well, so happy to be here, Robbie. Thank you so much for asking me to join you today. And in the global scheme of things, you are a neighbor coming uh, from nearby Pennsylvania. Uh, Thrilled that you can join us. And as I uh, mentioned to you, this is a show about building strong networks and the context is leadership. So tell me, how do you define leadership and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Well, how I define leadership is, um, is, a, is a longer story. Um, it came to me working with uh, Francis Hesselbein. And um, Francis always said uh, when we were when we would meet, she would always ask me this question: What do you see when you look out the window that's visible but not yet seen? 
And uh, over time, I finally came up with the answer that for me is my personal definition of leadership. And to me, leadership is working together towards a bright future. I love it. And how did you first connect with her? That seems like having her tutelage and guidance helps you kind of frame that. It did. Uh, I met Francis um, through Marshall Goldsmith in probably 2000. I became very aware of her through the books and articles and all the content that I was um, helping Marshall with. And we, um, over the years, developed a very strong, uh, very close relationship, Francis and I. And she, um, she taught me so, so many important lessons about leadership along the way that are absolutely so incredible. And so many of us, there are so many of us who were, had the opportunity to learn from her um, while she was here. She uh, was former CEO of the Girl Scouts from 1976 to about 1990. And before that, she held many positions in the Girl Scouts. So a lot of times I'll go places and um, talk with women and say, you know, I, I knew Frances Hesselbein. She's the CEO. She was the former CEO of the Girl Scouts. And they say, oh, Frances, I remember Frances. And not a person that I talk with didn't have the most extraordinary experience, both of who she was as a friend of the heart and then also who she was as a leader. That's really lovely. I will make sure we put some information in the show notes. So folks who want to understand more about her legacy can do so. When did you first start to realize you had some skills around leadership? Like let's, let's go kind of back in life. I'm always curious who people were when they were growing up. Um, you know, who were you in the playground? You know, did you organize people back then? Were you someone who stood <laughs> out? Did teachers notice you and see potential in you? Did did you see yourself raising your hand a lot? Like, what kind of kid were you? Interesting. My story. This is a great question. Takes me back. Um, growing up in my formative years, I um, was. I, I always people say, you know, where are you from or something, and I always say, well, I was raised in a van. And so in my formative years, my uh, parents and my sister and I, we traveled the world in a Volkswagen van. So we went to different countries. Um, we went to, you know, countries in Europe. We were in, in the Sahara. We were in Northern Africa. We were in Panama. We drove to Panama um, from San Diego. We um, were in Russia. I mean, we were, we were all over the world in that van. And one of the things that is so um, interesting about that is when Francis, back to that question earlier, when Francis first asked me, what do you see when you look out the window that's visible but not yet seen by others? I went right back to those formative years you know, before, before double digits, those formative, well, and then a little bit after those double digits, but those very formative years where my window, when I looked out the window, I would see all different countries, all different cultures. You know, we were, we were living in the van, so we weren't staying in 
different hotels and just spending a you know overnights we were we were living in these countries in a in a moving vehicle so my window was all these different cultures and countries and peoples my leadership of you know working together towards a bright future is definitely based in those formative years where i saw the challenges of communication in these different areas i saw um different cultures so i wasn't raised in one spot where i saw which is wonderful i just wasn't um where i saw one culture i saw this mosaic of the world and so that really forms my my leadership today and one of the things back to francis of course because francis and i are in tandem here um one of the things that uh, francis shared with me so early on um, i was working on a book with uh marshall goldsmith uh, executive coach number one executive coach and uh, best-selling author of uh, what got you here in triggers and a man named john baldoni and i asked them if they would um, co-edit a book with me and so i was able to um, ask a number of uh, maybe 20 or maybe 25 or 30 different contributors to contribute an article about what these thought leaders government leaders corporate leaders um, executive education leaders coaches what these thought leaders thought about leadership going forward in their own niche their own pers from their own perspective and one of the um contributors who i asked was francis hesselbein and she said of course of course and she sent me back an article so i had you know 25 or 30 different articles and i've been working in leadership for quite some time so i've read a lot of leadership and i'm i'm you know I'm, i know the subject pretty well francis sent an article and i i can remember it like it was yesterday sitting in a chair doing my editing in the morning reading what had come in and reading francis's article and i'm i even right now reading francis's article and it is the first article about leadership that ever made me cry so as i'm reading it tears coming down my face what was so special about that article to me is that francis was sharing about respect for all people and what really touched me was that i thought if francis can lead this way with respect for all people if she can be who she is and lead how she does so can i and you know tears streaming down my face and i think this was in 2005 or 6 it was a number of years ago and from that my leadership has grown into that personal definition of leadership which to me is leadership is for me working together towards a bright future so i'm always how can we work together and um 
along the way, I've I've found people uh, who are definitely along in the same vein as as Francis and I, like Alan Mulally, the former CEO of Boeing and Ford, who's wouldn't you know his leadership and management system is called working together. I said that must be him. <laughs> and so very fortunate in this way to um, really be able to um, follow follow my heart where it comes to leadership. And that definitely was shown to me by Francis that we can be who we want to be, be who feels right with us and make the world a better place with our leadership. I'm just, you know. There is so much to dig into here. Um, I mean, for one, you more than most, more than almost everyone else on this planet, really understands what it means working together because you have lived among so many different communities, cultures, people, belief systems, right, religions. And so most of us grow up in a more homogenous, you know, space, and we branch out from that. You know, if we're fortunate, we find ways to diversify the people we are around so that they don't all look like us, have the same upbringing, the same belief system. Um, but it's effort to really branch out and to sustain those kinds of connections across difference. You grew up with that being your norm, your norm was the difference is a just like a reality. Like there's no one worldview. When you look out the window, it depends on where you are. It depends on you know where you are in life and where you are you know in socioeconomic status and where you are with all whatever it is. It's like you just have such a rich tapestry of experience that like leads you to see things differently than the rest of us, and then to have the guidance of someone who sort of named that for you and really put a fine point on what you could do as a leader, um, gave you kind of a, a focal point to, to lead from. And you've, your life's been really enriched by some really incredible leaders that you like, you know, not, not just by your sense of their being incredible, they've been recognized by lots of people as being really wonderful leaders in the work that they do and the impact they've had. Um, it's, it's really interesting. I, I always uh, say I'm, I'm waiting to be surprised on this show to hear a different definition of leadership or have a different experience shared. Uh, thank you for, for doing that because 350 plus episodes in, I think yours is a really different take. Um, and yet comes to the conclusion that we all hope to have, which is work together, you know, create this brighter future. Um, when you were younger, I mean, this is such a different experience um, living out of the VW van, going around the world <laughs> what was was your were your parents on a mission to do certain things were they were they doing work while they were doing that was it like were you following around someone's career like what led to this incredible experience so um my stepfather was in the peace corps and he i just always um he was just a traveler he loved to be on the road he was also a probation officer, um, and he always loved to travel. And he didn't travel in the way, you know, some, some people travel. He was in the culture. He was, he was living where he was. He was fascinating. 
the only person who really reminds me just so much of him in how much he is just such a natural traveler is Marshall Goldsmith. Just very natural, you know, can can be anywhere and be all right. And my mother, uh, she was an artist and she was a, um, she coordinated the American Language Institute at San Diego State University. So she, um, she was a, uh, she, she saw things a little bit differently in the world. Neither of them were um, working at the time we did this. They would work when we came home, and then we would go off again. So they were supporting their love for travel and learning and learning about all these different cultures. And my, my mom, um, she loved to go to all the museums. I took a trip with her one time later. I think I was um, just out of college and she was working. She was coordinating the program at San Diego State, the American Language Institute. And we went on a uh, couple week trip to Spain. So I did all the driving because I love to drive. And she... Um, she wanted to go to all the museums and the monasteries and she loved to, to t try all the different foods. So it was like, I made her a t-shirt that said, you know, mom is uh, meals, uh, monasteries and museums, because that's what she loved to do. And I um, would, my, what I love to do is sit in a park and watch, just be where I can watch the different watch the different people or find different types of music you know what's the music in the area one of my favorite things to do to learn about where i am turn on the am fm radio and what are they what are they listening to what what's the music here what's the what are the talk radio shows here and so you know if people travel with me in a car for a few days you know they're going to get to see, you know, or hear what, what are people listening to here? So it's really clever. Are. Yeah. It's, <laughs> even if you're just driving around a country, like even here in the U S there's regional oh, differences in what's going to show absolutely. up on the, on the radio. That's a really interesting way to get a sense. Absolutely. Personally, <laughs> I like going to thrift stores. That's become one of my go-tos because they're in neighborhoods. They're not on the main strip. Once you find the local thrift store, you can also you can, uh, find what's happening. You find a local coffee shop, you find a bulletin board, you see local activities, you know, you ask the person behind the counter, hey, I'm kind of interested in these things. Yeah, so it's, it's like, I, I agree with you. I'm not as well-traveled, but I really love the idea of getting to know what's happening locally. I'm yep. at 12 or so, 12, 13, you know, when you're just starting to get a sense of, life in front of you, not just being a kid. Did you have a sense of, of what would happen next? Was there, was, was college, for instance, a, a guarantee you must go to college? Did you have a sense of a profession you were going to have? Um, yeah. Like what, what were your main interests and ideas of yourself in the future when you were that young? Oh, for, for me starting living in the van and then going forward, I always, um, what I love to do is read and write and communicate. And communication to me isn't saying something. 
communication is being heard. So if I say something or I write something and the audience or the person I'm talking with doesn't understand, it doesn't mean I say it louder. It means hmm, take a step back. Do I need to rephrase? Is this, you know, maybe this is something they're, they're not going to be able to understand. So communication isn't saying something. Communication is being heard. So early on, it was reading and writing. Always wanted to be a writer. Always wanted to be a, a communicator. And to help others to communicate, because it's really not so much about me, though I love writing stories and um, I love writing leadership and management. And I just love when I write something and I can look back on it in a couple of weeks or when it gets published and go, wow, I wrote that. I thought that. <laughs> it just, it's amazing the the power of words the power of the words that we choose i love helping people supporting people in choosing the words that they are going to use to communicate with others and i love doing that for myself too that's why uh editor-in-chief of the leader to leader is is perfect i i i love inviting people to contribute like yourself, I love inviting people to join the party at Leader to Leader. You know, it's like I'm hosting a party for all of my friends, but then I also have the opportunity to write and to communicate myself. So it's not just about me communicating. It's about always working together towards a bright future communicating together towards a bright future this this is this is how we do it doesn't mean we always have to agree it just means we're all in this together mm. so it's it's interesting because you had the real passion around writing and communicating when did you start to realize that you could get paid to do that because i've met a lot of speakers for instance who you know it was it was a, a light bulb moment when they realized wait, people get paid to do this. <laughs> so when did you go from, this is a thing I really enjoy and I'm good at and it feels good to it being a vocation? Like, was that something that started to happen in college? Like, like where, how did you sort of find yourself on that path? I've just been on this path and I didn't really realize, and I think I'm realizing it, I'm still realizing it because I love what I do so much. I love what I do so much that to be also paid for it and appreciated for it and, you know, supported to support myself in this way is incredible. It's incredible. I, I've, it's just what I've always done. It's what I've always done over the years. I went to, um, when I went to um, college, so I went to the university of Oregon. So I'm a duck. If you ask me about any sport team in the entire planet, I will just repeat to you, go Ducks. <laughs> this is all I know. So when I went to college, um, there's just a couple of things that I really care about. And so they asked me, what are, what, what is your, uh, what, what are you going to major in? And I said, well, you know, what I, what I know is I know how to read and write in English. So 
I'll major in English <laughs> and I'll get to read and write. And then I also um, so much love and, um, and want to support and have a passion for nature. So I also uh, have an environmental studies degree. Mm-hmm. And then later on, maybe I, I think I'd been working with Marshall and had worked at Harcourt Brace uh, Publishing Company. I'd worked in Panama as uh, the managing editor of an English language newspaper. I'd worked with Tony Robbins on his content creation. And then, of course, I'd worked with Marshall for a decade and maybe a decade or more on, you know, maybe 30 or 40 different books and articles and websites. So I was, I was definitely in the realm of publishing and I knew pretty well how, how this goes and the different aspects of it. And so it was in 2015 or I think it was 2015. I decided I was going to get a, a master's in publishing from George Washington and I remember telling a few people, my mentor, one of my mentors, uh, Larry Lyons, who I um, was fortunate to co-edit a book with, you know, before I got the master's and Marshall and a few others that um, I was going to get a, a master's in publishing from GW. And they said, why? I mean, you could teach the classes. And I said, I know it from my perspective, from the work that I've done. I understand publishing from the work that I've done so far, but I don't know it from other perspectives. And I really want to learn that. And it was one of the best experiences. I learned so much and I've put into practice so much from, you know, getting that master's in publishing a few years ago. This is really interesting. One, I just want to note that you... Uh, are a lifelong learner. You're not, you're, you're humble enough to say there's more to learn. I only have my own perspective. Again, going back, I believe to your growing up, understanding that there are so many perspectives in the world and yours is just one and not the only and not the, the one you could say stuck on. Um, so you really, even though you had your own experience, you're like, I still want to know what others know so I can kind of create the best possible outcome. You've also name dropped Tony Robbins. And I just have to say, you, you know a lot of na- household names um, and people who should be household names. Um, uh, and, and maybe are in certain circles, like Frances, uh, for instance, like certain sectors, she's a rock star. So how, does, how did you start that journey? How does your network go from, you know, kid in college in, you know, University of Oregon, <laughs> go Ducks, and- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then you like, you're making your way, you know, like every other young adult, you're making your way into the world. Um, it, you know, it happens. I think you're for one, you're catching these people when they're, when they're there at the beginning of their careers in this way too. So you kind of coming up alongside them, but where do you start to cross paths with these people and start to kind of veer off the, I mean, you could have been in a PR firm, like you could have easily just ended up doing press releases in the like most dull <laughs> way possible i mean like not in this innovative creative forward-thinking thought leader space that you ended up in what was the beginning of the transformation of your network to allow that possibility to happen probably um i'm a risk taker i don't seem like one and i don't feel like one but i look back and go oh (laughs) i think i was i think i am one so 
Um, I worked at Harcourt Brace in San Diego for a couple of years, and it was a great experience. I learned a lot. Um, I then uh, found an opportunity, sort of created an opportunity to um, work down in Panama City, Panama, on this English English language newspaper. It came out every couple of weeks. So for me, luckily, I, I, I seem like a thinker probably, but I'm also, I just, I just, something seems like it's, it's, it seems like a good idea. And I don't, I don't, I don't second guess myself. I go for it knowing, you know, it's going to work out the way it's supposed to work out. So I took that opportunity um, and grabbed it and went to Panama and worked on the, on that, on that newspaper. And when I came back, I was uh, freelancing. So I started a little uh, freelance boutique editing, writing company, um, just me. And I think I called it High Tide because I lived in San Diego and I, you know, and then Tide is edit backwards. So it was very poetic. <laughs> to, yeah, and I had to explain it to people, so not so great. But you know, when you have to explain things like that, um, it means that you know you, you, it's not quite doing the job. But it was fine. And then um, I wanted to have a full time salaried job. I think I was twenty five, twenty six, and so I was looking, and I found um, in the newspaper the actual newspaper classifieds an opportunity with Tony Robbins to be part of his creative team. And so I interviewed for the opportunity and, and I, and I got it. So I was there for two or three years and uh, got to work on the creative team. So working directly with Tony to help him create his um, courses his um, his books and articles. Um, his I did a lot of his media prep, so I was preparing him to go on the Larry King show. You know all these different talk shows, and it was a great experience. And we worked so hard. The team and I we're all still close, and it's been a number of years. We're all still very close because we we worked hard together. We um, really prepared Tony for what he was doing. We were working so hard on all these manuals and um, translating the manuals for the courses and the um, the recordings that he was doing, all the um, the recordings that he would do. So it was just such an opportunity. I always call it like, uh, I always look at it like, you know how you hop on the treadmill and you bump up the speed? Well, this was like I jumped on the treadmill. We were going six at six miles an hour, and it was it was like on. I first, I you are definitely a risk taker, but you also I feel have lived enough to believe in yourself and your abilities. So, to our minds, you're taking much bigger risks than what it probably feels like for you taking the job. For instance, even in Panama, which is you know moving outside of your everyday life you for the, for you that was not nearly as difficult as those of us who've never moved about and lived amongst other cultures so it is interesting where you have had an upbringing that made that possibility more of a possibility 
but you also did say yes. <laughs> you didn't just look at it. You, you went and did it. Um, and it's interesting that by your mid twenties, you'd already worked at one place, worked at also the Panama. So you'd had a couple of different work experiences, did a little bit of your own thing. So you'd experienced life as a freelancer. Um, you know, you're moving into your late twenties and you're like looking for something a little more stable. Tony Robbins <laughs> classified ad. I've never heard anyone say this. This is amazing. <laughs> uh, and obviously other people got on his creative team through a classified ad because that's what you did then about what uh year is or is this all happening like give me give me a general sense of time frame so i came back from panama in 1995 and i think i began working with tony in 1996 and he was, and I he was already on larry he was he was a big deal by then like we, we were we were coaching he was coaching greg norman the shark the golf player i mean we were we were having so much fun i think that was uh i know that was around the time that he was in the movie with um might have been jack black and gwyneth paltrow huh. shallow howl or something uh -huh. i mean we had so much fun we would go to events um teach people you know, personal development with Tony. It was just an incredible experience. And I would not, just like everything else that I've had the opportunity to um, do, I would not be doing what I'm doing today or know what it is to really go all out. I would not be doing what I'm doing today if I hadn't done what I did then. Mm -hmm. So I am so grateful for every experience that i've had the people that i've gotten to learn from the relationships i've had i never some people um, they get tired of a place or they want to move on and so they will create a reason to leave and you know and burn some bridges i'm fortunate in that i have all these relationships that go back as far back as I do. Mm. So I have all these relationships that I continue and they're so important to me. Alan Mulally has a wonderful quote and it is, and I, I always, I say it in every presentation I have, for the great achiever, it's all about me. And for the great leader, it's all about them. And we are all, in my mind, we are all both. So as I've gone along in my journey, I have achieved, as have you. I mean, we all, we, that's what we do. We work hard and we achieve our goals. And as a, a great leader, it's all about them, meaning, the people around me are a reflection of if I'm if I'm leading in the way that I want to be leading. So if the people around me, to me anyway, if the people around me are negative and you know, you know it's just not not the way, not the people that I want to be around, that's 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 a reflection, mm. right? So mm. I make my leadership i make my leadership all about you this isn't about me what i'm doing here today isn't about me what i'm doing here today is about you it's about 
us. Love that. All about you. When you left Tony Robbins, you, I mean, having that on your CV is awesome, right? Because you have, you've also been exposed to the people he's met. You have such experience um, of, of not just thinking about how to do these things, but you've been doing actively running a company like that, working with someone of that stature. What pulls you away? Like, what was the thing you wanted to do next? And where did you end up going? So what pulled me away is I, I, I have that um, entrepreneurial spirit. And I really wanted to work in leadership, uh, leadership and management communication. And so I left Tony Robbins and went to out on my own. And I was working with, now I have SD Edit, San Diego Edit, because that's where I was living. And people got that a little bit better. And um, I started working with different people. And a friend uh, introduced me to a woman who was working on her dissertation. So I helped her with that. She said, I did a great job. And she said, uh, if I ever wanted to work with somebody in leadership and management communication books, then there's this guy, Marshall Goldsmith, that she has worked with. And she, um, you know, she gave me his number and she said, give him a call. And I said, boy, howdy. So I immediately gave Marshall a call. This was in January or so, January of uh, 2000. So I give Marshall a call. And Marshall says, you know, he answered the phone, who are you? And I said, uh, Sarah MacArthur. And he said, what do you do? I said, well, I work um, on books, leadership and management um, content. And he says, oh, that's great. Well, give me a call in July. Click. <laughs> I go, okay. So I do my work. And then in July, he said July, in July. Hi, Marshall, it's Sarah MacArthur. You told me to give you a call in July. Oh, who are you? Sarah MacArthur talked with you in January. You said, give you a call in July. And so here, if, if you, if I wanted to work in leadership and management books and content, he says, oh, great. Okay. Well, I'm working on this book. It's all these authors and contributors. Can you do something like this? And I said, well, yes. He says, when, who recommended you? And I said, Vlasta Doman. And he said, oh, great. If Vlasta says you're, you're good, you're great. And I said, okay, well, do you want to see my resume or anything? Nope. Vlasta says you're good. You're good. I'll send you the stuff and we're on. And after that, I worked with Marshall for the next 20 years, the first 10 years in um, publications. So books and articles and all the written content. And then the next 10 years in doing that. And then also um, as chief operating officer of his company. So running all the programs and the events and the projects and a, I mean, an experience I wouldn't miss for the world. And I'm still very close with him, Yeah. but um, now I'm back out again on my own. So, I mean, Sarah, the fact that you had this Midas touch moment twice and they weren't even related, like it wasn't that a direct connection from Tony to Marshall, right? That you went out on your own, you did good work, your work was recognized as quality. Someone thought you could help someone else. Now, did you know who Marshall was before all this? Because you weren't no. in the world of coaching. You didn't. Okay. So 
Um, there's a couple of things. One, you took the risk and made the phone call. Um, and these days now in, you know, this, this particular year we're in the idea of calling someone randomly out of the blue feels very odd. <laughs> but back then <laughs> we didn't, uh, we didn't text people before we called them, you know, <laughs> like we just called them. Um, but then you also, you followed up as he asked you to, at the time he asked you to, you didn't let that slip. And a lot of people, I think listening um, may realize there are opportunities that they're passing them by because they're not taking uh, a, a, like a, they don't have a process for capturing those leads and those ideas and following up. I mean, your life could have taken a far different turn if you gotten swept up in some other projects and never gotten back. And, you know, that, that also the high level trust of a trusted referral, I think that is something else to underscore that even though you had at that point a really good CV, no one needed to see it because of the trust of that one person that he knew and he trusted, that was it, like you, you were in. And then of course your work spoke for itself. Once you were in, you continued to see opportunities, but a lot of people could really learn just, you know, to, to do a better job following up and taking the risk of making the call and making the personal connection. Um, it's pretty incredible. And of course, once you know Marshall, you know a lot of really great people. I mean, that's just the world he's in and the people he attracts. Um, this is this is really interesting because then you, you're able to continue developing your own love of writing and communicating. What led to you deciding yet again <laughs> to go out on your own? Um, you know, you have this entrepreneurial spirit quite clearly, but uh, what was the attraction? What was pulling you in this direction? Well, that was, that was external circumstances. So um, in March of 2020, when, when the world, basically, at least where I was living, uh, we, we shut down. And so Marshall, I was working with Marshall then, Marshall's, um, what he was doing completely changed. So all of the events that we were doing on location, all, all of these things that we were, we were participating in, all the flying around the world and doing all these things stopped. And so Marshall and I made a decision together that um, I would venture out on my own. And we'd been planning this you know, we were going to do this, but not then we were going to wait a couple of years and, you know, he's going to retire and I'm going to move on my own. But this happened sooner. So we made a decision together that I would go out on my own and at, a, at an interesting and, and difficult time because he was dropping back. So, I mean, 90% of what he had been doing, he wasn't going to be doing anymore. And so we, we made that decision together and he um, is so supportive and so kind to me in, in, as I've, as I've grown and he, I think he feels sort of like a, um, I always look at it like um, I was a little bird in the nest, in this Marshall Goldsmith nest, and I had to jump out and, and see if I could fly and I can. And what has your work transformed to in the last three years? Oh, enough to bring tears to my eyes. I am so incredibly fortunate. My work has come to, um, now I'm editor-in-chief 
of Leader to Leader Journal, which was founded by Francis Hesselbein, um, as we heard in my bio, uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom um, recipient, former CEO of the Girl Scouts, chairman of uh, the Francis Hesselbein Leadership Forum, which it became after a number of iterations. Um, I am creative partner, thought partner with Alan Mulally, who is former CEO of Boeing and Ford, incredible leader. Um, so I get to, we're working on his book and we do a lot of communication. So just my favorite thing, we um, communicate with um, different groups. We consult. Uh, it's just an incredible incredible opportunity what we what we get to do is incredible and i get to learn so much about my favorite subject which is working together uh, a little bit about that um, the working together leadership and management system and its culture of love by design are um, built on the foundation of Alan's principles and practices for organizations, which are things like people first, love them up, facts and data, they'll get you everywhere. You know, we, we love your opinions, but really we need to see the facts and data, transparency, respect for all people. And then my favorite is have fun, enjoy the journey and each other, but no jokes at each other's expense because we want that safe environment where we are all able to share what's happening so that we can be all be successful. So this working together towards, towards a bright future for everyone. I love this. I'm going to make sure that there are links in the show notes to all these resources. And if you have any in particular, you'd like me to include, share them with me and I'll make sure they get added. Because there's a lot of, I mean, I feel like this is one of those episodes where the show notes will just be so rich and will lead people to, to continue to learn and grow for themselves. And you're introducing them to people they may not have known about or only heard of in, in passing. Um, before we get to our, my favorite wrap-up question, we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor. All right. My wrap-up question is this. A year from now, I hope that we are still in touch. I'm so glad we met through Jennifer Nash. She had her book launch. And um, I'm really grateful that we connected. I'll put a link to her book as well, um, Lead Human, Be Human. And, uh, you know, she had quite a lineup. <laughs> Alan was there. Alan did the forward for her book, which is really generous. Um, so a year from now, when we connect, I'm going to ask you what you've been celebrating. Like, what, what has gone really well in the next year? And I'm curious, like, what are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? So many things. So many things top of mind. Um, we're working on a documentary about Frances Hesselbein, her life, her leadership, and the impact that she's had on all of us. So I am looking forward to, in a year from now, celebrating the grand opening, the screening of our documentary and how everyone has come out to watch it. It's getting rave reviews and it is helping all of us to work together towards that bright future. I love that premiere that uh, we should all let us know when it does happen. I want to help, help you promote that. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I can't wait to celebrate all of that with you. And thank you for this really invigorating conversation. How can people 
find you, follow you, learn more about your work? Um, I have a website, sarahmacarthur.com. You can reach out to me directly, and that's pretty easy as well. It's Sarah at sarahmacarthur.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn, Sarah MacArthur. Fantastic. We're going to put all those links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah. What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 361. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. Subscribe or follow for free so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review. Thank you in advance. I look forward to connecting again next week. We'll be interviewing another talent professional who overcame challenges on their way to success. Ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership and entrepreneurial journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.